You're listening to the Mind Your Business Podcast. Today's episode is part two in our series entitled Down to Business, where we're gonna help you increase your profit margins the fastest, easiest ways. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm James Wedmore, and with 13 years online, I've built my business to over $9 million in sales per year. And this is the first non-business business podcast that shows you how to apply the principles of spirituality, energy, and mindset to create true and lasting success all from the inside out. This is the Mind Your Business Podcast. The episode you're about to listen to is one of five in a powerful business transforming series that we have put together for you called Down to Business. It's an in-depth inside look under the hood of how we run an eight-figure company at a high level of performance with a high profit margin. And as you dive into this episode, I wanna help you get the most out of this powerful series. When you head on over to mindyourbusinesspodcast.com forward slash DTB, that's mindyourbusinesspodcast.com forward slash DTB for down to business, you're gonna get your hands on a free accompanying workbook called the 5X Your Business Performance Workbook designed to help you implement and integrate the exercises and training that we've provided for you in these five episodes. So head on over to mindyourbusinesspodcast.com forward slash DTB right now, grab that workbook and enjoy the episode. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, James Wedmore here. And I'm Jilly Cedeno. And this is the Mind Your Business Podcast where we help you think like a successful entrepreneur so you can experience having a successful business. And this is a brand spanking new segment we've created here for you on the show called Down to Business. I like that. Why have we not used that? I don't know. Down to Business, where we are opening up and looking under the hood of your business machine so that it can run healthier, more efficient, smoother, faster, and just more betterer. (laughs) (laughs) and if you haven't tuned into our first episode in the series of down to business that we aired last week i would highly recommend that you go and check that one out first it lays out some very powerful distinctions and really gets to the bottom of so many things that are preventing people from running a healthy business so watch that one first yeah listen to it if you did listen to it check in with yourself how did the last week go for you? Did you actively you know, pay attention to where you're spending time as a CEO or the personal brand? And how did that work for you? Yeah. Because if you're just listening and not doing anything with it, it's not going to help you very much at we all. We talked about that in the last episode. It's true. <laughs> and we are going to keep this train going. We want to help you increase your profit margin. More money! <laughs> <laughs> and one of the easiest ways that we can do that is start looking at the expense side of the business. So we're going to get right into this today. We're going to use a powerful metaphor because a lot of people, when they have a money problem, they think making more money is the solution, right? It kind of feels like common sense. Yeah. Like, well, just make more money. Right. And I want to use a powerful metaphor that should help, which is I want you to imagine that you have a bucket and this bucket has a bunch of holes in it. And as you look at the bucket, you see water coming out of the holes. So it's a leaky bucket. So is the solution to the leaky bucket 
to put more water in it? Mm-mm. No. It's to plug the holes. And that's why we have to look at the expense side. We have to look at the money that's going out and what it's costing you. We said in the last episode, if you're at a 30 to even up to as high as 50% profit margin, that's really fantastic and that's really healthy. But um, even if you do find yourself there, I'm sure you can increase that by maybe taking one or two of the things that we're going to talk about in this episode. Absolutely. And again, we are talking specifically to digital product-based businesses and there's so many variants. Like let's say you have an arm of your business that sells like physical products. Like I know a, a lot of our clients and students have gotten into that or you do more events. That changes the game. We get that. So these are generalizations. But if you are a digital product only business and you have like razor thin to no profit margins, there's no excuse. And I'm going to make a stance here and say, as long as you're making any money at all, if you're making anything over like $5,000 a year in a digital product business, I'm, I don't know, maybe I'll raise that to 10, 10 a year, then no matter how much or uh, little revenue is coming in at 10,000 or more, there is a way because where there is a will, there is a way where there's a William, there's a way that's my first <laughs> name. There is a way for you to be profitable at that level. Okay, so let me hammer this in. So what, how much money did you make last year? If you made over 10,000 in a digital product, then there was a way for you to be profitable with that, okay? How profitable? Still in that healthy margin. That is possible to be profitable. And what then happens is someone says, James, I made $100,000 last year, but I didn't keep any money. We had no profit. So this year, I'm gonna go make 200,000. Great. So what you're setting yourself up for is a $200,000 business with no profit margin. Mm -hmm. So you're working harder and you might be making more, but you're not keeping anything. Or maybe there is a profit margin now, but it's razor thin. Okay. So you have to fix the problem that's in front of you right now, which is a profit problem. So the goal that I would encourage somebody to say, before you go jump into double revenue next year, Let's make a goal of how do I generate, and this isn't going to excite people, but it's what sets you up for the future. Let's make a goal of doing 100,000 again while being profitable. That will be a lot easier. Let's do it again, but now make it profitable. Where can we cut expenses? Where can we increase that margin? And then, yes, we can add revenue on top of that. But again, if you have a bunch of leaky holes and you're not plugging the holes and you think just more money is going to solve the profit problem, it won't. It really, really won't because what people do, this is so powerful that you hear this, please get this, is when you freak out and you're in that problem reactionary state, we didn't make anybody. Then what you start doing are reactionary fix-it decisions that might solve the short-term problems but then hurt you in the long run. Okay, we need to make a ton of cash really fast. And you start reacting in this rushed, urgent energy and you do something, we'll sell this big thing and not realize, we talked about this in the last episode, and then not realize what you just signed yourself up for, what that's gonna take time-wise and expense-wise down the road that prevents further growth. And a lot of people are doing this. They're just constantly reacting and running from a reactive state in their business. We talk about reactive launching where someone does a launch and it was no good. So now they're like, oh crap, now I need to go launch again. And they they wait a month and they launch again from a reactive state and it's also not good. So then they gotta go do it again. But what they don't realize is when they're like doing all that outward, outward push, push, rushed, that they are sacrificing quality, they're sacrificing performance, and inevitably they're sacrificing sales. And we demonstrated this in one of our masterminds and it like dropped jaws and like brains exploded. But I showed them 
that I used a different, we're going to get into so many cool things, I think, <laughs> in these in these episodes. We created a metric called Energon Cube. Mm-hmm. And an Energon Cube is a measurement of time, effort, and energy. So there's, you know, two tasks that might take the same amount of time, like reading a book and like lifting and carrying furniture. Both take an hour and one expends a lot more energy and you probably wouldn't want to do it for much longer, but like you might want to have a day of just reading and if you really enjoy what you're doing, you're relaxing. So it's more time, but less energy. So an Energon Cube is a combination of time and energy. And so we made an argument that doing a launch takes a certain amount of Energon Cubes, right? We can all agree to that. Let's say it's 10. So we got everyone to agree. Okay, so but you decide what an, one single unit Energon Cube really looks like and feels like. So you do a launch and it takes 10 Energon Cubes. And then we showed people how we did two launches, which was 20 Energon Cubes. Yep. And those two launches generated less revenue combined than one launch done the next year. Mm-hmm. And the point is, is when you go do that thing that's going to generate revenue, it will take a certain amount of time, uh, Energon Cubes. But when you can do less and find ways to make more, now we're talking, baby. Yeah, because not only was it less Energon Cubes because we were doing one less launch, but it's also less Energon Cubes because we were able to build so much momentum before that because we had the time and space. We had the time and space. We built the momentum. We were able to put more of our heart, our time, our effort on making it better. Mm -hmm. Instead of, I mean, if you just contrast it to saying like, let's say we just launch something every 10 days. Like you you just law of diminishing returns. You know what I mean? These are how we look at things differently. And we're revealing all the secrets. And this is how we really want you to to get. But the goal here is that no matter how much money you made, as long as it's, I'm just making up a number, 10,000. At that point, because you know, there's base fixed costs that everyone's going to have, you should be profitable. Okay. And again, if it's a 30% profit margin, even at a 20,000, I don't know, what is that? Six grand. That's great. That's a start. That's a foundation. Okay. Now we reinvest that six grand into creating more. And that's the thing is like a lot of times people don't understand that they're in a growth phase and they're reinvesting the money. So it is still a profit that we get to write off. Wow, we made this much money. Let's take that money we made and put it into our growth. So part of the problem is, is when people say like my business is unprofitable is that they don't know how to read their numbers properly. And that's a big one right there. It's like, yeah, we were profitable. And then we took that profit and reinvested it. So it profited and now it's going to be an ROI expense, which we're going to get into. Mm-hmm. But the, really the goal is no matter what level you're at, there is a way for you to be profitable. And you might not be like, the specific dollar amount isn't making me happy, but look at it in terms of percentages. Is it 30%? Is it 40%? Like if someone said, you know, James, I only made $15,000 last year in profit, but your business generated thirty. Woohoo! That's really good. Or 20. Woohoo! Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's what I'm saying. We got to start thinking like a business owner. So now how do we contain that model and expand it, scale it, grow it in every different way without losing that profit margin? Again, you can reinvest it back in. That's totally fine, but do it in the right things. So we're going to look at profit threats, you know, expenses, stupid expenses we've done, things over the years that we've done that we don't want you to do, but you should be profitable at every level. Yeah. And I would say if you are the person that's at 100K or whatever, and you don't have any profit and you're looking to grow your business this year, but now we're telling you to instead focus on making more profit instead, 
yeah, James said this isn't like the sexy part because you're not reaching for a big goal. But I think that you can make a game of it and make mm-hmm. it sexy. And I think when you are keeping more money and you can, you know, treat yourself to a sexier lifestyle, you'll really enjoy it. The process. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and the only reason we would encourage you to make the goal is just make do what you did again profitably is right. that it's going to force you to fix the problem that only gets bigger at each level. Exactly. Uh, having a profit problem at 100,000 is not the same level of problem if as it is at a million or two million. Mm-hmm. Okay. So solve these problems now before they become those big boulders. So one of the first things we're going to look about is we're looking at expenses. We're talking about expenses today. We're going to give stories. We're going to give examples. We're going to create some distinctions and definitions to really help you. So just kind of put your mind on things and become present to certain things in your business that you're resisting, certain things that you haven't been looking at and develop a little bit more mindfulness and presence awareness to it, okay? And we said this in the previous episode, if you're resisting this episode, then this is the episode you need the most, Mm -hmm. all right? So first of all, we have, you know, we're not the CPAs and all that type of stuff. I gave that disclaimer, so. I have an accounting degree, but it's been a while. Oh, that's right, (laughs) so perfect. I took accounting 101 and I was like, nope, I'm out. I got to 303, okay. So boring, I'm like, I mean, listen, I think most of us as entrepreneurs hate looking at all this stuff. And so it's credits. Ew. <laughs> we have to find exactly. We have to find a way to make it fun and exciting for us. It's a game. OK, mm-hmm. it's keeping score. So first off, we have fixed costs. Now, defined, these are business costs that are constant and not variable, whatever the quantity or goods is produced and sold. So for example, let's say you get, and, and some of these kind of have a gray area because some of the software that you use, they charge more as your business grows. Right. So you know, keep that in the back of your mind. Don't get too, we only telling you what you need to know, which is important and relevant and don't convolute all this, okay? <laughs> right. But let's look at something like Kajabi, okay? Kajabi is what we use to host our programs and manage our members. We use it for a few other things. It's a checkout and credit card, you know, Sets up with Stripe and all that type of stuff. And I think it starts at like 150 to 200 a month. Mm-hmm. Now, we'll get into that as an example that we're like, people go, that's too expensive, right? And I think that's one of the dumbest things you're thinking right now and saying to yourself, right? Because people don't know the alternatives. Exactly. And there are certain things that you, and we wanna help you with that, that are worth the investment and certain things that aren't. Mm-hmm. Because when we talk about Energon Cubes, where we have to factor in time and effort into the expense equation. In other words, if you're trying to save money in one area, but it costs you tons of time later, then that is irresponsible business practice. That's ridiculous because your time is money. And that's something we won't talk about in this episode, but I would highly encourage you to know and figure out your hourly rate. And if you're one of our listeners and your hourly rate isn't at least at $500 an hour, it's time to start it at least there. Mm-hmm. So if you're sitting there going, oh, paying 200 bucks a month to run my entire business on Kajabi and I wanna have a half a million dollar a year business, but I don't wanna pay $200 a month, the alternative is I go learn a bunch of free software that has bad support, breaks down, needs updates, needs plugs in, got to connect all these pieces together and they all got to talk to each other. And breaks if one thing's changed, it breaks down and I got to go spend all the time learning it, figuring it out, solving it and reacting to it. Explaining to my team how everything works and connects together. And then them getting confused and needing a ton of training on it. Mm-hmm. Then you haven't factored in the time expense, the energy right. expense. And we used to do all that stuff. I used to have custom programmers. I used to have WordPress. I used to have all the plugins and all the fancy frills. And you have no idea how much my business got streamlined, simplified, and exploded when we just went to sites like Kajabi and just used all-in-one simple. It was about how do we use something that's simple and works versus trying to be all the things, have all the things, all the extra frills and features, 
when 90% of that stuff really doesn't matter anyways. Mm-hmm. And we backed a great company. We know the founders of the company. We go to the their headquarters or we used to go to their headquarters all the time. We've met so many of their programs. Like they're a legit company. So it was like for us, it was no, and this isn't a plug for Kajabi, but I do love to plug them every chance I get. Yeah, it's an example of ways we make decisions. And that's a fixed cost. So whatever mm-hmm. we pay, and we pay a bit more because we have like their best and highest plan, it's fixed, right. which means every month, whether we sell stuff or not, whether we have customers or not, we're going to expect that same cost, okay? So that means the more you grow, the more profit margin happens because that stays the same. So that's usually where people start to get the belief that if I just make more money, I'll solve my profit problem. Mm -hmm. Is that you have fixed costs, which means if it costs us 200 bucks a month to run Kajabi, as long as I get more than $200 in sales a month, I'm profitable. If I don't, I didn't make a profit. These are the basics. I know we understand this, but sometimes it's nice to talk in very simple terms because these are things we're like, well, I don't really put my mind on this. Yeah, I think another super simple example as we're using it is like buying a podcast mic. It's a fixed cost. It's a one-time thing. It doesn't matter how many episodes you record, how many people listen to it. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's fixed because, you know, you can make it worth more because or more valuable to you because if you record more episodes you have more people listen to it but then yeah. some people waste it they buy the podcast mic and then never record the episode so exactly yeah. yes and because i love bringing in the airbnb business into this because it's such a different business model but everything i've learned in business i get to apply it there instantly mm-hmm. when we buy a home obviously that is an expense and yeah. it is a fixed expense yes and then i have to furnish it and do the repairs and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are by and large, like when we set a budget for each home that we furnish, it's like 15 to 20 grand to furnish it. Then that's done. And then everything after that point is money that continues to come in. Right. A lot of those things, you know, I never have to buy again. I mean, we're sitting on a couch right now in one of our Airbnbs. I'm like, if I don't have this couch for 10 years, then I did something wrong. You right. Know, you know what I mean? So we look at it those. Okay. So we have fixed costs, and then we have what's traditionally labeled as variable costs. What is a variable cost? It's a cost that varies with the level of output. So a great example for the Airbnbs, because there's when I'm thinking about it from an accounting point of view, there's much fewer variable costs in the Airbnb business than there are fixed costs. But an example would be like utilities, the utility bills. The more people stay in your house, you the go. higher your bills are going to be, or like yep. the more turnover you have, the more you need to pay your cleaners, things like is, that. If I'm paying my host that manages the properties a percentage, does that go in? Is that a labeled variable. a, a variable mm-hmm, cost? Because mm-hmm. if we make more money and she gets a fixed percentage, it's a variable cost. Right. In other words, it changes with the demand and the Right. But the if flow. she was on like salary, for example, that and would be a fixed, fixed cost. Okay. Yeah. So does that make sense, guys? Those are kind of... This is really nice to know, right? It's mm-hmm. very nice to know. We also do... This is an interesting one because we love doing like physical gifts Mm -hmm. and gifts for our customers. So when someone pays, we have a portion of money that goes to like sending them something in the mail. Right. Is that a fixed cost or a variable cost? That is a variable cost. It's very interesting because you can look at it both ways, right? You could. You totally could. It depends on... It kind of depends on like which type of balance sheet, if you're looking at balance sheet, cash flow statement, it kind of depends because it could be, it's a fixed cost based on the customer. So if you're just looking at your profitability on a customer level, that is a fixed cost. Man, this is taking me back. I'm really, I'm kind of, I'm kind of geeking out right now. That's awesome. So what she means is, is like, let's say we have a customer coming in for a thousand dollar product. So we know that $997 is coming in. Right. And this cost 
of let's say buying them a welcome package like let's say it's like a workbook right, right. that gets sent to them that cost is only made if that money comes in mm-hmm. and it's fixed on a per customer basis which we could sit there and say we only want to spend fifty dollars for no more with every customer that comes in. So mm-hmm. on a per customer basis, you can catalog it and look at it as like, this is fixed. For, right. But in the macro level in the business, it's right. variable because that number will get higher, but it grows directly in proportion. Yeah. And then you, and then it gets a little crazy because sometimes if you hit a bigger number, then it starts to get cheaper uh-huh. too. So yeah, it's yeah, very you're buying long, higher all sorts of and stuff like yeah. that. And but bottom line is that it changes as your customer base changes. Yes. Now, you know, there are probably some nerd CPS detail police on the call. Well, yeah. actually, <laughs> according to my calculations, <laughs> exactly. listen, we're trying to create simple distinctions so that you can bring your awareness to certain things. Because if you have a profit problem, you got to see where this money's coming out. Mm-hmm. And some people, they just start saying no to things that they shouldn't be like, no, I'm not going to spend this. I'm going to cut this expense. I'm going to cut all these expenses. And they shouldn't be. Right. And that brings us to a really important distinction that I've never really heard anyone talk about. But I talked about this. We had our good buddy, Mel Abraham. He's talked about this on the podcast before and in our masterminds, which is labeling ROI expenses. Mm -hmm. An ROI expense is an expense I catalog that I will directly or maybe a little indirectly, if I spend more here, will make more. And the obvious first go-to is something like Facebook ads. We're going to talk about that in a moment, okay? ROI expenses. So we will get into that because that's one of the first things I want to talk about because I'll never forget, you know, some people like we have a CFO and some people, when they look at our numbers, when they first come in and they see like, you spent $200,000 on Facebook. Like, how do we get that down? It's like, no. And that was what our CFO said. He's like, you're not spent. You don't have enough spent expenses in your marketing. Yeah. He wanted us to increase it by like 30% or something. Yeah. So he wanted more spent in the marketing. And so, you know, and that's a funny thing too. When people say I can't afford Facebook ads, I'm like, you can't afford a Facebook ads because you haven't been spending money on Facebook ads. Right. If you'd been spending money on Facebook ads, you'd have more money for Facebook ads because it's an ROI. Mm-hmm. It's a return. You know, I, I love that metaphor of if you had a broken slot machine in Las Vegas where every time you put in a dollar, it spit out too. You wouldn't sit there and say, I don't have enough money to put in the slot machine. <laughs> right. You'd keep putting it out until they escorted you out of the building, mm-hmm. my friends. So ROI expenses. And then we have, you know, we're going to talk about payroll and get into that as well. I guess we could call that a fixed... Cost? I don't know. It really, it really I depends. What, I don't know what to call that. Yeah, it depends but on the person. Payroll is going to be the biggest expense for most of us when we start hiring people. Mm-hmm. And we want to talk about ways to do that because that's going to be your biggest threat. And it's really interesting. So it's going to be your biggest threat to profit because it'll be your highest expense. Mm-hmm. But I've been saying for years that your team is the secret weapon to your growth. It's almost the, like an ROI expense in itself. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, your, your team is the most valuable thing that most people aren't talking about. You know, the whole solo entrepreneur kind of thing. But having a great team is what creates a great business. Mm -hmm. And so it's not about having a team. It's about having a great team, making a team great. And that starts with you. And that's going to be another episode. But looking at it from that sense, it's like a team is going to be like the biggest factor that contributes to your success. And also the biggest factor that threatens your profit margin. (laughs) So it's almost like, how do you balance that and find that? And we want, right. to, we want to talk about some of these things on this episode. So let's start with ROI expenses a little bit. And then we just kind of go all over the place and get you guys to think about things. So an ROI expense is when we spend money, it can directly or just really indirectly see an ROI. Mm-hmm. Return on investment. 
And paid advertising is going to be one of those right there where when it's working, you want to do more of it. And this is very important that we look at that because what happens there is people say, I'll spend less on ads if I need to make more profit. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I spent too much. And I never look at that at all. I'm always looking to spend more on my ads, whether it's YouTube or Google or Facebook ads. And I'm looking at different metrics. I'm looking at CPL versus EPL. So people say, what's your budget with ads? I say, as much as I possibly can spend, it's the worst question to ask, what's your budget? <laughs> Again, go back to the slot machine and you put in a dollar and it, let's say it brings you 10. And, I, and I'm watching you put a dollar in and get 10 back, put a dollar in, 10 back, dollar in, 10 back. Um, what's your budget with, with putting money into this slot machine? You'd say, what do you mean my budget? I'm trying to put as many dollars in as I can. Right. Are you seeing this? So we don't do budgets. What we do is thresholds. So we talk about this so much. EPL, earnings per lead. What is a lead worth to you in a promotion, a campaign, a funnel? I'm not even getting into LTV. I'm not even getting into lifetime. I mean, we could go so deep with this, guys, but we got to give you a basic foundation. When you start getting into LTV, lifetime customer value, there are companies that are very successful that are actually willing to lose money on the front end because they know they'll make it up in the back end. When you know your LTV, when you have a higher LTV, you win. And you didn't even mention the fact that most people, it takes them at least three interactions with you or three launches to even buy from you. Oh, exactly. So it's yeah, exactly. So, you know, we're in it for the long haul, but this mm-hmm. is how businesses think that are smart. So how much is a lead costing you and how much is a lead worth to you? There's a lot of people that are like, I'll just break even mm-hmm. and I'm good because I can make it up later. But if you don't know your numbers, because you're like, I'm not a math person, but then you somehow don't know why you don't have a profit margin. Now you know why, because it's measured in profit. Right. And, and throwing more money into Facebook ads when you're not profitable. Go back to what we first said, like focus on the profit first and focus exactly. on improving your numbers yes. rather than cutting back on spending. Yes. So I'm not trying to decrease spending in Facebook ads. I'm trying to decrease spending on the cost of my acquisition of leads. Mm-hmm. So if a lead is worth $20 to me and it's earnings per lead, which is total revenue in a funnel divided by the leads or people that go through it, we'll give you your EPL. Then if it's $20 is what each lead can make when they come into the funnel, as long as I'm spending less than $20 per lead, then there is theoretical from that funnel alone, not accounting any other expenses, there is a profit margin. So I'm doubling my ROI on my ad spend or tripling or whatever. Mm -hmm. So for example, If you had a funnel, this is just to make this real simple for you, any type of funnel, and every time a person comes into it, they're worth $20 to you. It's 20 bucks to your bank account. And I can get you leads for a dollar that are the qualified right leads. They're, you know, right targeting, all that type of stuff. All these factors play a role in it. I get it. How many leads would you want to buy? And only smart entrepreneurs would say as many as I possibly can. Mm -hmm. As many as I can. I mean, if anyone just says, I don't know, 10, wait, 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 every $1 automatically gets turned into 20 and you'd only buy 10. What is the matter with you? (laughs) Go, go, go. Let's do this. Right? So ROI expenses, I don't look at dropping the expense. I look at increasing the performance of the expense. Mm -hmm. I want it to make more money as I increase it. 
And those are percentages. That is performance points. And that is so, so important that you guys get that, okay? There's going to be different ROI expenses. There's direct ROI expenses like paid advertising where you're going to see it pay off. Like we have an automated funnel that we're running right now and we can see we spent this money yesterday and boom, the money either came in by the end of the day or the next day. It's 24 to 48 hours and the money is returned Mm -hmm. and it has back-end funnels and other things, but we're profitable in the front end. And that's the goal. So we want to spend more every day, you know, and, and the team is very happy when I say, come on, let's, let's spend more, <laughs> let's grow this thing, you know? So I'm not looking to decrease that expense. So paid advertising are going to be a great example of that. Other things we're going to get into is things like, it's kind of a different way of looking at it, but affiliate commissions, paying out affiliate commissions is an ROI expense and things attributed to help your affiliates are as well. But basically anything that the more you pay it, the more it makes you, mm-hmm. you know, and the more direct of a proportion that is, the better. Like every time I buy 10 leads, I make two sales. Then if I buy 10 more leads, I make two more sales. That's what we catalog as an ROI expense. Yeah, it's kind of like the predictive behavior of it. Yeah, and I want to spend more of that, you know? So we have that, and then let's talk about payroll and team and all that type of stuff for just a moment here. So we have a couple things. Like I said, it's going to be your highest expense. So be ready for that. Some people grow higher on too quickly and too fast without, and it's fine, you can, but then they don't want to deal with the training and the onboarding of the employees. They just like hire a bunch of people and say, here, figure it out. And I get that you figured it out, but you're an entrepreneur. And so if you're trying, this is a totally different topic and a different time around leadership and training, but what's happening is a lot of entrepreneurs can't lead and they can't manage And so they're treating their employees like entrepreneurs, which is like the worst thing you can do because a great team member craves a little bit more structure and guidance and direction. I'm not talking about micromanaging, but they do need that structure. And you're like, yeah, you just figured out I did. I did this. Why can't you do it? It was like, well, then they would go start their own business. Okay. They're wired differently. They think differently. So, you know, be mindful of that. When you're hiring, people are going to always ask who to hire first. These are kind of going into different areas. I'm kind of talking to someone that might already have a few team members and you're like, whoa, we're paying more. We're losing a lot of money here. Right. So you want to look at the the salary or the pay. You really want to look for a three to four X multiplier, which means if you're paying them, whatever you're paying them, can you in some way see that it's gonna yield three to four times the value, the revenue in the company. Mm-hmm. And if not, then why are they there? Your first few hires should be really designed to get the lowest activities off of your plate, because your time is valuable, and bring people on that's gonna provide the most value to the business. And if you're not doing that, then, well, your profit's really gonna suffer. So the salary has a three to four time multiplier on it. And I think a a great distinction, if you can get even more value from these people is like, how can you, a great example from not having a in-person team member versus a contractor, an A player in-house might provide the three to four X multiplier you're looking for, not only for that year, but also for years to come. Absolutely. Versus a freelancer might just come in and do it that one year and then leave. And then you go one step forward and then you have to take two steps back after they leave. We've made a big stink for years. And a lot of people don't listen to us because they're going for the lazy and easy route is we do everything Mm in-house. We avoid the freelancers for 95% of the stuff that we do for many, many reasons. One of which is that they're way more expensive and not only more expensive, but 
the longer you work with a great A player in your team, we'll talk about the A player distinction in a moment, in your team, the more value that they have, they grow, Mm -hmm. they get more wisdom and experience, and the more they're able to put back into the company. And when that's a freelancer, like you don't get that. They decide, oh, I'm going in a different direction or, oh, I can't afford you anymore or, oh, you quit. And that's gone. Mm -hmm. Versus in-house, that value stays Mm in-house. And we just think there's a lot of freelancers out there that are making bigger promises than they can. They're taking on too many clients that overwork themselves and they don't have the level of care that you do and your internal team would. And the secret, okay, so the secret to a great business is a great team. And the big secret to a great team is culture, values, and leadership. Mm -hmm. And sorry, but freelancers operate outside of that environment. They are not a part of your culture, your environment, your values. And you can't force them to be either. You can't. I mean, you you come into a legal issue at that point. Like everyone, you have to show up at this time for this meeting. No, now they're not a freelancer. Right. Okay. So there's so many issues with this. And for most people, they, the amount of stories people have told me, like where they just regretted hiring these like $65 an hour VAs to like do absolutely nothing and just waste their money when they're at like a hundred thousand. I'm like, what are you thinking? Yeah. Or like launch managers who disappear halfway through the launch. Right. Heard that so many times. Oh, it's so tragic. So you guys got to be really careful. And it's like, are you really trying to build something here? You just want to throw money at someone and have someone just make the money for you. Right. Because you're not building it. They are. You don't even know what they did. Exactly. Which means you can't replicate it, Mm -hmm. which means you didn't build the machine. Right. So it's like you're renting a machine. And there's a lot of people that are not going to agree with this. And it's like, listen, if it ain't broke, why fix it? If you're super profitable and making over a million dollars, then don't listen to what we have to say. But if something right now is not working, but you think you know better, that's your ego and a little bit of hubris getting in the way. Because when we talk about these things, we talk about these mostly in the mastermind and it gets a lot of pushback, partly because it's things that people don't want to do. It's like, oh, but I just want to hire this person to do it for me. Right. Or they just don't want to take the time to maybe like temporarily do it themselves. Right. Right. In an effort to have it trained and processized in-house so Mm -hmm. that it's yours. I just think these things are so important. Okay. So we want to create a distinction too around an A player. We've said this for years that an A player is like the equivalent of three to four B or C players. So when it comes to something like this, you pay more for the best. And if you're trying to look for the cheapest inexpensive employee in-house, are you paying for a B or C player? You know, you're actually spending more money Mm -hmm. because now you need three or four B players and then you need an A player to be taken away from what they're doing to manage those people that can't be managed or that can't even self-manage, let alone be managed by others. So it's actually costing you more. One great person at a higher rate is going to be far cheaper than three or four crappy employees. And that there's a whole world that we're not going to get into around hiring and team building. But one of the big beliefs that comes up is like, I'm not worthy and deserving of a team. And mm-hmm. I, I this is good enough. And they just settle for mediocrity. Right. And that's costing you. To have mediocre players on your team is costing you. Way more than you think. Too. Way more than you think. And especially if you have other team members on the team. And anytime you can't really put your finger on it, you're like, I can't really put my finger on this person, but there's something about it. Then you already know you don't have an A player. Mm. If they're not blowing you away and, and it's surprising you, then you don't have an A player. And then you have to go do it yourself anyways. Or you got to go fix their mess. It's like, or like watch everything that they're doing. And make exactly. Sure right. So now you're paying them to do half a job 
and then you still have to do the other half, which takes you away from what you should be doing, it's costing people way more than they think. This episode might be uncomfortable for a few. It might be a wake-up call for you, but we're trying to save your business right now because we may be losing more money than we realize. And this is us trying to show you where money could be disappearing. Right. And just keep in mind, I know we said, you know, pay to play with the A players, but just wanted for context, I was hired at $13 an hour a few years, like six years ago. And it was because I was just burnt out on my last job. So that just because we're saying pay to play doesn't mean you can't find a players at a lower rate when you're just getting started. Right. But she didn't start out in an A player role. No, right. You started out as a personal Mm -hmm. assistant a couple hours a week. I mean, you were doing like returns to target, you know, (laughs) and then it was like a little bit more and a little bit more and that just kept growing. So the role grew as she grew, she grew into the role, Mm -hmm. outgrew into the new role, et cetera, et cetera. That's one of the ways that we do it when you're just starting out. Mm -hmm. That's what we call the mailroom strategy. Okay. So so, you know, again, looking at payroll and paying your team as one of the highest expenses, one of the things that you want to look at, it's not about, oh, I'm just going to go fire people, but you may need to do, you know, evaluations, performance reviews. We're not going to talk about that here, but we do those things and those are very important to us. But one of the things I can help you with that right now is, are they wasting time? Mm-hmm. You see, the thing is this, if you're paying someone hourly in your company and you're going to pay them for the hours they work, they have a certain amount of money in their mind that they want to make every month. And so they're going to find a way to make that money within your company. They'll find a way to work the 40. I mean, we've had, it's so sad. We catch it really fast, but we've had more than one employee and they're lucky we don't go after them or something because it's time and money theft, but they will lie about their hours. Mm -hmm. This happens. Okay. So expect it. Not all the time. You have hired good, honest people. It's not going to happen, but they'll lie about their hours. They'll, you know, they'll fudge it. They'll put things on their list that are irrelevant time fillers. Yeah. So it's like a tricky way of like, oh, I did this. You or know it's like, I, I was available to work. You just didn't ask for me. <laughs> right. And, you know, unfortunately, like we kind of have to be on that a little bit. Mm-hmm. But one of the first ways you can look at decreasing payroll expenses is starting to get really mindful of where your team is spending their time and are they wasting it? And this is really easy. We've done very simple things where we have a quick individual meeting with certain team members where we already get a sense that, man, they're not going fast enough. I think they're wasting some time here. And we say, what are your two to five big action items for the week? And we ask them on Monday. And then on Friday, they tell us what did they get done out of those items? Did you do it all? And roughly how long did it take? And what we found as we've observed people is sometimes their weight, and this is such a great hack. You guys are going to love this. They're wasting their time doing things that they shouldn't do. So I remember our podcast manager back in the day and social media person that used to be one role. Well, two roles, one person filled both those roles. I'm walking over. We had an office in person. I'm walking past them and I see that they're in Photoshop. And I just kind of pause and out of the corner of my eye, I'm watching them and they're like designing a quote image or something. No, I think it was a podcast thumbnail for Mm. the website. Oh, okay. And like spending like 30 minutes to an hour on that. And I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) And it was really interesting because I said, that's not your job. I don't want you doing that in a kind, loving way. And she said to me, she goes, but I feel bad if I'm not doing it. I said, why do you feel bad? And she goes, because that's what you hired me to do. And this is under the umbrella of what I do. So I should be doing it myself. And I said, no, you should feel bad that we have a graphic designer uh, overseas 
that can do this for like five bucks. In the fraction of the time. In a fraction of the time. And you could be doing other stuff, but you're doing this. So you're it's spending more money and wasting more time. Mm-hmm. That's what you should feel bad about. Obviously, I said it in a very kind way, but she got it. And so one of the things that we've done that helped us tremendously years ago is everyone that's in our core team, there's nine of us, we treat them like a manager that is responsible for a metric. So every member on the team owns a metric or two, like podcast downloads or Instagram followers. And they have access to a team, a virtual team that's in places like the Philippines where they're working at a fraction of a cost and they have a whole team that they can work with to help them with more of the busier, you know, day-to-day tasks. Mm -hmm. That helps keep my team in the States more at a high strategic managerial level and keeps costs way down and speeds things way up. Because if they own a metric, but their head is down building graphics all day, then they can't grow the metric because they're more focused on making an image pretty. Than thinking about growth strategies. Exactly. We keep them in a strategic mindset. I want to throw a disclaimer in here real quick is if you're asking your team members to think this way, you better be thinking this way too. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. I think your members will grow to the weakest link that you are. You know what I mean? And you have to really be that mentor and leader for them. Right. Are you continuously delegating and elevating to your role? Mm -hmm. And if you're asking them the same, you better be doing that too. Absolutely. A hundred percent. So looking at payroll first is a really big one is first, before it comes down to firing anybody or anything like that, you want to start going, is there a waste of time? Is there inefficiencies here? What's getting in the way? You might want to just audit each role and each team member to see Where could we be doing this quicker, faster, easier? Can we get them a VA? Do they have to be doing this themselves? Can we consolidate in some areas? Are they doing things that just don't need to be done at all? Like, oh, I spent all this time on Pinterest, but Pinterest isn't bringing us any business, right? Let's cut the Pinterest out. Mm -hmm. Like we don't need to be doing that anymore. And instead I can give you something else off of somebody else's plate that wasn't performing and we can let them go, you know? Right. And look, it's, you know, every business is going to have to fire and do layoffs. It's part of business. So you're going to have to just deal with it. I think the role audit is an extremely important first place to start because sometimes it's not even about them wasting time. It may seem like that, but it could be that they're just not feeling challenged Mm -hmm. and as an A player, Mm -hmm. especially you know, needs to be challenged. challenged. Otherwise they're just going to be kind of floating around. Absolutely. And then we really want to look at, does this person need to be here? And that's mm-hmm. a bigger conversation, needing to let go of somebody. And we've done that where we've let go of somebody and then handed what they were doing to somebody else. And it was like not an issue. No, it was like an hour person. of their time. <laughs> right, exactly. Like the A player was able to take on all the work of someone else's job without a problem. Right, it's absorbed like, it directly into their day. <laughs> and it's like, we just saved so much money there. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would do first. And that's going to be a lot of work in and of itself. That's where you're going to find the biggest room. I would be really getting rid of as many freelancers as you possibly can. Now, here's examples of freelancers that are going to be, you know, just fine for you. Like when we hired Chris Beltran to do a branding audit, that's what he does. And that's a one-off thing. And we don't want to specialize as a company as creating great brand images. That's a great example of a fixed cost, James. It very much (laughs) is. That's going to pay dividends, right? So we don't want to learn that in-house, but to get a freelance launch manager is probably one of the most asinine things I've ever heard of because if you're going to keep launching every quarter or every year, then now you depend on this person. And what happens when they're gone, they raise their rates or whatever. They, oh, sorry, I got another launch that same week. Like 
you're going upstream without your paddle or whatever those right and i are. mean there's so many things as a launch manager i have issues yeah. <laughs> with that yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so you want to look at that as well you know leaning that out might be great i mean listen i have people that come to our master and they're like yeah i have a 65 dollar an hour virtual assistant and i'm like cool so are you gonna fire them today or tomorrow right like, it's just like what are you doing right like why are you spending 65 dollars an hour for someone to check your email like it's such a waste of money yeah now i know money issues come in you know this is why we teach a lot about money stuff we're like there's a lot of people and i was here at one point where you start getting good at making money but you still have money worth issues so you can't hold on to the money that you're making and mm -hmm. so you subconsciously sabotage that and spend it but you got to start being mindful of the money that's going out. So one of the things we do also is just a general expense audit going through or having someone on the team going through to audit the expenses and seeing where we can consolidate and cut. Jilly, off the top of your head, what are some examples? Because I know you shared recently how much you and yeah. Darlene saved. I did a software expense audit for a full quarter every month. I looked at where we were spending money in software and I was able to save $500 a month just by like, consolidating a few different things. Mm -hmm. That's what? $6,000 a year. Mm -hmm. So what are some one What are some examples? I mean, there was some software that we weren't using yeah. any longer or a great example just off the top of my head, we use a software called FOMO. Basically, mm -hmm. it's that thing that pops up on your opt-in page that someone else already opted in for and I noticed that we were spending like $25 a month on it. I'm like, okay, well, number one, we weren't using it. We hadn't used it in a while. So it was just this expense that was just kind of, even though it's small, it's just adding up over time and not being used. But I was like, if we are going to keep paying for this, let's number one, use it, but let's see if it actually pays off. Right. So we ran for the next few launches, we ran a few different split tests and it turns out that it didn't help perform. It didn't help. So, so we stopped like, using it. But yeah, bye. That's a genius. Mm -hmm. And this is so important. And you know, like that yeah. expense would always be there. And it's not doing anything if we didn't take the time to, to look at that, you know? Right. What are some other things that we got off? I know we had like, oh, we used to be on a different platform. We used to be on Infusionsoft. And I think we found some stuff that only worked with Infusionsoft. Yeah, like, exactly. So there's like mm -hmm. some, some negligence, like, oh crap, we're just like spending money on this. Yeah, because those little things that are like $5 a month that you just sign up for automatically on a subscription basis, mm -hmm. you don't even think about whether or not you use it. And then it just, $5 a month seems so asinine that you're just like, oh, it's fine, whatever. But then you yeah. have like 50 of those. <laughs> I mean, it really is like Marie Kondo in your, your business. Yeah, and it and feels so good to do that. Yeah, it's an opportunity to like, start testing the things that you've already invested in and see if it still works, if it's still mm -hmm. valid. I think another thing that it's all about like reallocating too. For example, we noticed that Wistia was starting to bump way up in the cost because we were adding a ton of videos on there and we got to the point where it wasn't at like the fixed cost level. It started paying per kind view. Of ridiculous. It yeah. was starting to get out of control. Like how much? Like thousand dollar per month or something. Yeah, it's kind of silly. Yeah, I think during launch month because we had so many views, I think it was like four thousand. So was that's like, ridiculous. I know. Though, so right? I was like, whoa, I mean, whoa, 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 whoa. How can we we have so many other hosting platforms. Yeah. Why do we have so many videos on Wistia? Right. So then we just went through like the course of BBD and anything that was on Wistia, we just put it directly into BBD and then we just like cut that down by a bunch. I mean, it's work, but we're not just looking at how to make more sales. We're looking at how to keep the money that we make. Yeah, and just look at it as a game. Yeah, you know, that's you what I did. To. It's like little high fives every time you find like a penny, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> so I think that's a really good thing to do. And then also just being you know, mindful of the big expense wasters, the big money wasters. And here's a great way, you know, I always say that Stephen Covey quote, it began with the end in mind and the end is the sale. 
So that's the game. That's the goal is to get a customer, you know, someone you can help. And you want to avoid the expenses for as long as you can that are the furthest removed from the sale. So the things that are the most directly correlated to the sale are the ones that you want to do first. For example, the $10,000 fancy schmancy website to make you look legit and professional. There's a lot of people with nice websites that are broke. Websites don't make sales. Websites just give an online website. Mm -hmm. I mean, like it just, that's what it is, right? So that's why we've talked about these things. So like you think, oh, first thing we need to do, like people trying to go with what's first. Like first we need a business plan and then we need a website. And then I need, we need logos. We need business cards, business cards. And then we need this fancy photo shoot. And all of a sudden you've dropped like 30 grand on stuff that doesn't generate revenue. And instead focus first on the things that are going to generate the revenue and then you invest back into it and you build as you go mm -hmm. but it's all your ego if you're just like oh, i need to look a certain way and have it all be professional it's like no you don't in fact a lot of people really love the like the underdog you know saying like here's this person like no one knows about and right. they're not some like legitimate thing and it's like but man but they know how to do this thing and they've helped me here and i've got this relationship with them and yes i want to work with them and I love the stories from our students and clients that are like, they launched with like a PayPal link and yes. a Facebook group. You know what I mean? It's like, get scrappy. And iPhone videos, that's it. Exactly. 100% profit right there. And it's like, <laughs> that's the business owner I respect. That's the one that's smart because they're in the game. Mm -hmm. They're on the field. They're playing the game versus someone who's like playing business. <laughs> So true. You know, like, like, what do you do? Let me they, dress up my website. Right. Like, it's pretend. Suit. Like, yeah. I, I have a pretend business because it's like this facade. And it's like, yeah. yeah, I'm not saying this stuff's not important, but if that's where all your time and money's going, then who's generating the sales in the company? You know what I mean? Then there's no money left and you're like, crap. Yeah. And then you have this fancy website that only coders know how to work and it's a whole thing. Oh yeah. All that type <laughs> of stuff. So beware the expensive agencies and freelancers, all the fancy expensive branding and logos and business yeah, cards. Yeah. I'll do your social media for X percentage. Yeah. And really when you're making a decision to invest and pay money as an expense to sign, you say, will this make me money? Number one directly or indirectly, how soon and how often? Those are the questions that go through my mind before I pay for anything. So Jilly, just like what, what's an expense? Like we got to think of something here. Like we have so many examples that we could come okay, up with. Okay. I think one of the first big expenses we approached you with that we were unsure about is we have an AV team that works with us at all of our events. Mm -hmm. And we were deciding for the first time whether or not we wanted to start traveling with them. So we do events in different states. On the road. On the road. So do we yeah. fly out our AV team to all of our events or Right. Not? So here's the mastermind, which we used as an example in the last episode, that has a certain amount of money and mm -hmm. it's capped, right? So let's mm -hmm. say it makes 700,000. How much is the AV team per event? I'm going to say like 10. 10. Roughly, so it adds event. 10 to each event, three events, 30,000. Mm -hmm. And so we had to sit there and say, we're not making any money by having the AV team. Right. That doesn't make us any more money. The money has actually already come in and people don't consider the mastermind and say, well, wait, is there an AV team? Right. <laughs> exactly. No, they expect, you know, they expect quality. They expect, you know, five star, but that doesn't directly, mm -hmm. you know, do anything. Right. So we had to decide, do we do this or not? Right. So how did we start to think about this? Well, there's a few different things. Number one, most hotels and proposals that you get include an AV expense, no matter what. So there's one we get to 
kind of negotiate and get rid of that. Oh, so we good. kind of like Save leverage that. Yep. So you kind of leverage your own team versus like the hotel staff. Yeah. So that's one. And then another thing is now we have hours upon hours upon hours yes. of highly professional recorded content. Yes. That we can that's now mic'd, use. That's nice camera everywhere. that's edited that we've turned into portions for bonuses mm-hmm. and additional content in our courses. So we found ways to leverage it. We even right. had them record footage like b-roll type stuff that we've used in our promotional material yeah little things like spoiler alert when you join bbd or welcome video they helped create that that's right yeah other little things like taking photos just because we have a you know full-time videographer and photographer there so yeah we wanted it to be you know the best quality Mm -hmm. and we knew that having the av team would help with that but then instead of just and we had the budget and the money to do it. It cuts into the direct profit margin of that revenue stream. But we also said, well, there's other ways that we can leverage right. this expense to bring in a value to the company. Yeah. And then maybe another indirect way of making that more profitable is what does it allow your team to do during the event as well? Right. Like instead of running around with a boom box, like turning up and down volume now, like Josh, <laughs> that's and I are, how it used to be. Yeah, totally. Now Josh and I are interacting with members, providing values, doing presentations, things like that, that otherwise we'd just be running around. I literally used to sit in the back of a corner for days filming. That's what I did. Yeah. I remember. <laughs> so yeah, now we can provide much more value. Yeah. So I hope this is helping to give you guys examples and stuff. Here's another one. When we did our BBD live, event, our last big one in 2019, we had the opportunity to get big arse letters. Yes. How much were those? Those were like probably 15K. 15? They're taller than us. Thousand dollars. (laughs) Big arse styrofoam letters. (laughs) Oh my goodness. We bought a B, a B, and a D. And it says a little live at the bottom. And a little live. And they're like 10 feet tall. $15,000. What were we thinking? Okay, let's kind of walk through like how we decided that. It's very very simple when you actually think about it. First of all, what number event BBD Live was that? Eight? Yeah. Okay. So we didn't... See, a lot of people, I think they want to come out and everything is perfect and and, you know out of the gate. We did eight BBD Lives before that. We had a proven model, a proven event, a revenue producing event, and a lot of track record, a mm-hmm. lot of momentum behind it before mm-hmm. we ever started doing something like that. I think that's a very important piece. If the boombox s- was at our first BBD The boombox, like literally I would, <laughs> karaoke I, machine, I would actually. have a karaoke machine that I got on Amazon for like 45 <laughs> Attached bucks. Attached mic and everything. Connected it to a, like tethered to an iPhone. <laughs> yeah. And you'd play a song, you'd introduce somebody and I would turn the volume <laughs> up with the music. It's like, all right, let's bring to the stage. You know, it's all like blown out. Let's bring to the stage. Jelly Santana. <laughs> And then, and then I would turn the volume up and it's like, and then I would turn it back down. All right. And then here's the mic that we had the one mic and that was it. That's how we started with 45 people. So beat that, you know, Steve jobs. You, oh, you think it's cool? Cause you started a business in a garage. We were in a basement. <laughs> I was, we were in a basement with a boom box. Right. So that's where we started. And then there's momentum, there's sales, there's revenue, there's growth. And we said, you know, Everything else has like been paid for. All fixed expenses. Right. And, you know, we've had things that we've used for years. And we said, let's get something cool that mm-hmm. people could 
Instagram and would kind of add something neat to the event. And 15,000 for those letters was still like a big gulp. But they're really cool because who they came from, they're this uh, company that's buddies of ours. And they do those like pop-up Instagram museums that are like specifically for selfies. So we knew it was going to be good. We knew it was going to be good. And we knew that it would also be something that we could use again and again Mm -hmm. and again. And pre-COVID, we were doing two BBD lives a year that was generating anywhere from I would say three to five million yeah. from the events. Mm-hmm. So when you look at it from that standpoint, in comparison, now that you're having something that produces that much revenue, 15K one time that you can use at every event for the next, I don't know, five years, 10 years mm-hmm. is a no brainer. Right. So we're doing it in comparison to that. If you just looked at it isolated without context, who would buy $15,000 yeah. of letters? Right. And spoiler also for BBD Live, it's it's kind of like... Forms as a function at the very end of the event, too, that we made. Yes, it becomes an interactive part of Mm -hmm. the event that's Mm -hmm. really relevant to the experience. Yeah, but that's kind of a way that we think of things. Exactly. How do we make sure that that the value out of this expense pays dividends? How does this enhance the experience versus just a distraction? Exactly. Like, Is this actually going to do anything to add value in some way directly, indirectly? I think another way that we thought of it is, you know, in the past, we just kind of had nothing on stage. So now having these big letters when people are doing their Instagram stories, it's very apparent where they are. Oh, it's so Mm -hmm. true, right? So... And as we grow, here's kind of my new philosophy. I'm kind of coming up. I think as you grow in revenue and profit, not necessarily profit margin, but the profit is just a bigger number, then I think that's when you can do more indirect expenses, Mm -hmm. okay? But when you're small and lean, you want to focus on more direct expenses. And what I mean by that is that when you pay it, you can see a direct ROI. Yeah, because I think it takes practice to like get your brain to work this way. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's why you see big companies do things that are more on the branding front, like billboards and Super Bowl commercials, because they can. And you don't see small businesses doing that because I think when you're smaller and leaner, you got to stay with more of the direct stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to spend this money and it's going to immediately bring me clients or sales. And if you're doing all that bigger brand type stuff too soon, it's really ego driven. Like I just want people to know I'm a rock star and special. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's really great not caring about all that stuff because yeah. it just allows us to be a lot smarter with money and time. And isn't it more powerful when you're a rock star without that stuff? Yeah. Oh, I like that. <laughs> a little reframe for you. Exactly. <laughs> so we've talked about so much stuff. I think we're just going to give a couple more examples. This is most important. This episode was to get you to start thinking about how you spend money in your business, how you decide where the money goes and looking at where it's already gone, looking at ways you can start to cut it. Mm-hmm. Are we just wasting money in certain places? You know, I do want to say before we get into some examples, again, reiterate that there's a few ways that we can really be looking at profit margin in the business. Like if you already pay yourself a salary, one way that you can look at your business as that is part of the profit. That's one way to look at it. It's like, man, we didn't make any money last year, but you gave yourself a $200,000 salary That's $200,000 that you gave to yourself that wasn't required for the business to make money. And that's why we say it that way. And then we have those fun expenses, which are things that you would have bought yourself, yeah, but you had the business buy them because they can be used in business. Like, for example, that cool video camera. Mm-hmm. Maybe that podcast microphone. Maybe is an like, extreme example is you wanted to go to Bali, so you created a retreat around it. <laughs> there you go, right? I mean, 
even writing off people that write off a portion of their rent or their mortgage right. or buy a company car. Again, I'm not trying to give you financial advice here of what to write off and what not to, but I've literally had people tell me things like, yeah, we didn't have very much profit, but they have an amazing salary that they totally live off of and they bought some cool stuff mm-hmm. that they got to write off in the business. Right. And so that's great from how the government and your CPA looks at it, but in your own mind, maybe you were a little healthier than you thought. Yes. And I am a big fan of like, let me give you a great example of this. Like people saying like, yeah, I didn't make much money because I spent $50,000 last year on coaching and programs. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, great. That is not an expense. Right. Now, hear me out because this is where people, what? It's not an expense. It's not a business expense. It is a write-off because it was for the company. But understand that that is money. That is something you didn't need that to make the money. Don't get into the argument. Oh, but that's what I learned. Blah, 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 blah. Don't. No, no, no. Look at it this way. You chose to spend $50,000 into your education, which I just so encourage and so support. I can rarely, if ever, find anybody who's really successful that didn't have coaches, mentors, teaching, program, training, events, workshops that they attended or was a part of for a long time. So we always endorse and encourage that. But an expense is like, I'm selling digital courses and I need a software to host the course. So I have to pay the money for the software. That's an expense. But I want to be a part of a mastermind. You don't need to be a part of a mastermind for the business to work. Yes, it will help you and it will grow the business and it will solve problems and you'll learn new things, 100%. But please understand that that is a different type of expense that in your own personal mind, you can choose to look at as, if I didn't spend that money as a choice on myself as my own education, That's profit. And that's such an important thing for people to get. I really hope so. So this is an opportunity for people to, to, for us to shed some light on a different way of looking at expenses in the company, in your company, how to stop wasting money in the company. We want to have, you know, great A players inside. We say no to the overpriced freelancers, just consolidating and leaning out on the software and the tools that we're using. But yes, go all in on investing in coaching. Yes, have a salary when you're when you feel like you're ready to. Even anything is better than nothing. Even if you're like, I made 50 grand last year, but I paid myself five. Like, good. You know what I mean? And yes, to having as many write-offs you can. Again, not all telling people to write off. I'm not giving you any advice there, but that's what we do. An um, accounting major, not a CPA. <laughs> right, exactly. So, and I really hoped all of this helped. Let's just go through really quickly some other expenses. One of them is getting an office. Yeah. I've had an office for years. I think 2013 is the first office I got. The moment I wanted to focus on building a team, I knew an office was there. So when you have an office, it really helps create and solidify a foundation of a culture and and the great energy there. And it's $4,100 a month. Yikes. (laughs) So how did we justify that? We basically said, well, $10 million company, what's $4,100 a month for 
the room, the container and the environment that runs that team, that right. company. Mm-hmm. That's a no brainer. That's kind of how we looked at that. Anything else with that one? Yeah, it was big enough so we could host workshops in there. Oh, it was genius. Mm-hmm. Yes, we started looking at what we can film in here. We can do podcasts in here and we can do paid workshops. I think we and we've done for, events there. I think we paid for a full year with one workshop. Yeah. Yeah. The first year. So that's how we look mm-hmm. at things, right? Um, we could also, it was bigger so we could film in there. So it was saving time. We didn't have to change locations. Mm-hmm. So there's a time energy yeah. comparison too. Yeah. Let's talk about the video series. We are notorious for how amazing our video uh, training is. Mm-hmm. And not only is it a lot of money, but it's a lot of time yes. too. So mm-hmm. I think we put, I don't know, how much would you say our video series? I would say over the years with everything, I would imagine 100K probably. Oh, I thought it would be more than that. Yeah, but that's, that's just like for one um, of the versions of it, probably. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But over the years, I think it's added up to a lot more. Yeah. So, you know, 100, 200K for our videos. Mm-hmm. That to me, I'd even spend more. Yeah. Because... If we had more time, we definitely would have spent exactly. more money. Exactly. <laughs> you know, for a lot of people, that's the first point of contact where they experience us right. and come into our world. And, Set the tone. And, you know, become a customer and... We want that to be amazing. We want that to be an incredible experience for everybody. For us, it's it's a no-brainer. Right. And here's the other thing. Again, <laughs> when you can reuse it. Right. So things like writing, a, getting a sales page written, getting copy written, getting your videos done, when you can reuse those, it's fixed cost. If you had someone, it's not throw money at it, work with a copywriter, get the right copywriter, and you get a sales page written and it's an actually a good one, you pay them once, let's say you pay them five grand, but then every launch you use that for the next five years. Exactly, which we've done. That's 5,000 allocated over five years. You paid a thousand bucks for Not to it. mention I mean, you're pulling that copy for different things like ads, emails. Yes, that's a huge thing. So mm-hmm. someone will come up with some copy for us like on a sales page and what Jill is talking about is we'll go, oh, we can use that bit in the video series. We can use this bit in an ad. We can use this in a video. We can use this on social media. And you own that copy. Mm-hmm. These are the type of expenses that are unbelievable, you know, I mean, amazing. But you have to walk that balance too of working with copywriters versus just throwing money at a problem and saying, here, just sell my stuff for me. Right. Or any copywriter versus someone that maybe has experience Mm -hmm. in the thing that you're looking for. If you think someone can just come in and fix one little piece of your business and everything's going to magically work, I doubt that. We still work very closely and intimate with our copywriters and still usually do another draft on top of theirs. Mm -hmm. You want to be a better copywriter than your copywriter. Yes. That, let me let me say that again. You want to be a better copywriter than the copywriter that you hire and you want to hire the best copywriters. Why? Because that's not something we outsource. It's something that you're not outsourcing the value of it. I don't have the skill within my company of writing copy and sales words, words that sell. It's no, no, no. I'm hiring someone that can help take some time off of my plate, give me some time back mm-hmm. and some workload off of the plate but I'm still going to review it. I right. still review all our copy and go, just, eh, I don't like this. Let's right. change you this. You still have to know what's going to work and convert for your audience. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's the distinction right there. What about times where we've looked to hire on one person and we've brought on two? We've done that quite a few times. Yeah. <laughs> so we basically go, hey, we need to hire for this role and we bring on a few people mm-hmm. or we get a few candidates and we're like, man, I like both. Right. So how do we think through that in terms of how do we choose? Yeah, well, we think of like the various different skills, what each person is bringing to the table. We also then reevaluate everything in the business and what we want to grow. And you also want to think from your vision, not from your circumstances. Mm -hmm. So that's a big thing. Like, where are we going? Not where are we at? Yeah. I also think it's super clear if you want to do that to create distinction on like what each person is doing. Yes. That's super important. 
But it also, I mean, kind of an indirect win with that. When you hire two people together, there's a direct comparison mm, from the, that they can like they, a little, they bring to the table. Like yeah. there's almost like not consciously. I mean, it depends on the person really. But for the business owner, you can kind of see like who's performing at what level. Yep. And if they're performing totally. equally, or if one is outperforming, right. or yeah, absolutely. So there's a variety of different ways why that works. I think a skill that all successful entrepreneurs have that you just need to have is the ability to spot great talent. Mm -hmm. And when you find someone great, sometimes you make the exception. Right. And you're like, let's create a role for this person. Or, you know, you still have to weigh it, but you're like, can I find a place for this person that when we put them in there, they're going to grow the business. Right. Again, you got to keep that three to four X multiplier. Mm -hmm. And we've had that. We've had that several times. Like, hey, I know you originally applied for this. We actually think you might be better suited here. Is that something that we want to talk about Mm -hmm. and open that up? and do that. But yeah, I think people are spending too much money on people that are doing the insignificant things that aren't growing the business. And then that's going to be such a big expense. Mm -hmm. And then you got to deal with all the stress of managing people and that's creating work and everything. And that's where all of a sudden you're like, this is not what I signed up for. And this sucks. So we just want you to be really careful of all this stuff. So listen, we talked a lot. We shared a lot. This episode was designed down to business to get you to start looking at what profit leaks do we have that we can plug up, that we can get smarter about how can we lean up and just be a lot smarter with managing the money that's coming in and keeping it, reinvesting it the right way, encouraging the more direct expenses, the more ROI expenses, and really chilling out on the things that aren't going to make you a huge cash influx right now. Mm -hmm. And I hope we offered a few things that that were some eye-openers for you to just be smarter going into this year. So thank you so much for listening. We have more. We're going to go into... We're just getting started. Once we plug Mm -hmm. the holes, how do we bring in more money in, in scalable ways that doesn't take more of you. Mm-hmm. We're going to start talking about some more of the operational things that you don't hear too often as well. Cause it's all about right now, when we look under the hood, what do we see? And I want to see the most perfect, impressive, lean and mean machine under there. Right? So here's to your business machine and your success this year and beyond. I'm James Wedmore. And I'm Jilly Cedeno. And thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Bye. Hi, James here, and thank you so much for tuning into our very special Down to Business series that we've created for you. And I think the fact that you've made it here to the end means that you're the type of business owner and entrepreneur that knows just how important these topics are to actually running a successful business like an actual business. And I wanted to help you with that. One of the many things that I've learned and discovered over the years as a tool that has allowed my team and I to perform at higher and higher levels is something called a scorecard. You see, when every member on your team owns a very specific metric and you track that metric every week, you're going to see your performance naturally increase. And although this may overwhelm some entrepreneurs at first, what metrics do we record and how do we record them? We wanted to make it easier for you. So I've got a very special gift. When you opt in for my little special freebie at jameswedmore.com forward slash scorecard, I am going to give you absolutely free a scorecard template that you can immediately plug and play into your business. Plus, as an example, you're going to learn from the exact scorecard that I use in my own business to run our eight figure company. This is a plug and play 
pre-made tool that you can immediately go to work and use in your business, even if you only have one additional team member part-time working for you. Implement this now. Do not wait. It is that valuable. Head on over to jameswoodmore.com forward slash scorecard to get your free scorecard template right now. Hey, it's James here. And if you're like me, it's very easy to get overwhelmed by all the new content that you're learning on a weekly basis, especially when you have someone like me who's producing at least an hour on the podcast every week. That's why I want to invite you to tune in and re-listen to some of the best segments and highlights of our show over on YouTube. When you visit jameswedmore.tv, you'll get a series of weekly uploaded YouTube videos highlighting the best parts of our show so you can go back and re-listen to the parts that are gonna make the biggest difference for you. That's jameswedmore.tv. Make sure to subscribe and we'll see you over there. Take care. Did you know eight out of 10 businesses fail within their very first 18 months? I believe being an entrepreneur means unlearning everything that we've been taught our entire lives about what it really means to be successful, which is why I've created a brand new audio program entitled Activate. I want to show you how to think, act, and behave like the successful entrepreneur that you were meant to be so you can step into the vision that you have for your life and your business. And the best part is this program is yours absolutely free. To register right now, simply visit www.jameswedmore.com forward slash activate and we can get started right now.